All right, if you would take your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Within the last couple of months, as uh, I've been able to preach in here, we've covered some of this chapter, and uh, we might review uh, just a bit of it. But today, we are... uh, Well, let's read the Scriptures, and then I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. Romans chapter 8, and verse number 26. Romans 8, and verse 26. The Scripture here says, Likewise, the Spirit... Also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So here we have an amazing uh, truth about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, uh, just by way of introduction here, the, the, we have seen the importance of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life throughout this chapter. If you look back here at verse number 9 in the same chapter, Romans 8 and verse 9, the importance of the Holy Spirit's already been demonstrated. He says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so we've seen the the importance of the the Holy Spirit is if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not one of His. You are not of Christ. Well, how do we get the Holy Spirit? Um, Let's take the time to look here. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and this passage here deals so much with the truth of how how to have the Holy Spirit. And in our day and age where there's so much error, so many uh, thoughts out there about the Holy Spirit... Let's look at what the Scripture says. Let's look at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit here and when we receive the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12, the Scripture says that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. So here, he, he gives you, as a believer in the New Testament, he, he identifies how we receive the Holy Spirit. We heard the word of truth. We heard the gospel of our salvation. What's the gospel? Well, Paul identifies it for us in 1 Corinthians, where he says that how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, how that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He, he, that's what Paul declares for us in the Scriptures, is the Gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. And Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day, the Bible says, for our justification. You see, Jesus Christ showed that He is God by rising from the dead. It'd be a real good thing for me to give my life for Nick. Let's say he and I, we were going to get ice cream at Tutti Frutti. I just found out this week, I was talking to, uh, when Sean and I were out in Texas, anybody ever been to Orange Leaf? Orange Leaf, it's a frozen yogurt place where you walk in and that's all they sell and the wall is lined with different flavors of this frozen yogurt. And you can put as much in your little cup as you want and you can put gummy bears and Snickers and all kinds of candy on it at the end. And you pay by the weight of what's in, in the cup that you get. So we learned never to ever go again to Orange Leaf with my father-in-law. We walked in. Uh, Shauna's brother had taken us the first time I ever went. And I got this. I, I got orange with vanilla. 
And I made myself, I mixed it all up and had this dream sickle flavor thing. I, man, it took me back to my childhood. It was, it was wonderful. The second time we went, we go in there with Shauna's dad. And they said, would you like a sample cup? And the sample cup, you know, there are these little, little things that you put ketchup in, you know, at Culver's or something. He's like, sure. And so he walks over and he literally sampled every ice cream flavor in there. We're going, oh my goodness, we do not know this, man. <laughs> and how many of you, you're like that. You're like, hey, it's free, man. Just go around, you know, get the samples and then don't buy anything. Well, he actually did buy some ice cream after that. So it was pretty funny. But we learned never to go with him to Orange Leaf. How'd you get on to Orange Leaf? Uh, I get a text this week from Frankie Enyart. They're at Tutti Frutti. I go, where is Tutti Frutti? And I had described to the kids what Orange Leaf was like. And uh, Kay, uh, Kayla knew, told me it's like Silver Spoon in Troy. So, Tim, we're going to get you over to Silver Spoon, man. We've got to get out there. But uh, Frankie texted me a picture of this huge ice cream thing that he had, and it was Tutti Frutti. I go, where is that? How many of you guys know where Tutti Frutti is? Anybody know? Apparently, it's at the Dayton Mall, so I don't know if it's a new, new place that opened up. Um, but uh, now, Nick, you can go get free samples of ice cream and just eat their samples. <laughs> if Nick and I were going to go to Tutti Frutti, and we were going to go across the street to get to the Dayton Mall, and a bus was coming, and he just didn't see it, I could push him out of the way. I could give my life for him. But I can't pay for, can I pay for your sin? No, I'm a sinner too. But Jesus Christ, he declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So Paul declares unto us the gospel. And after we've heard, the, the Bible says that we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. After that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit dwell, indwells every believer. Everybody who is by faith trusted Christ as their Savior. So, here in Romans, uh, back to Romans chapter 8, in verse number 9, he says, uh, For the believer, ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So, for somebody to not have the Holy Spirit, they're not a believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the importance of the Spirit is seen. But then look at the, the role of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at this in the past. Look at verse 14. The Scripture here says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of us as believers is He leads us. He leads us. Um, it's a, God says that He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And if you're like me, there have been times in your life where you really didn't have clear direction from God on something. And it's the Holy Spirit, as you, as you pray to God, um, the Holy Spirit can, can lead us. And He identifies that by being in us, we are the sons of God, that, that we're born again. Um, he identifies it this way in verse 16. He says, The Spirit itself beareth with witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit, He leads us in our Christian life. And then he, he witnesses to us and, and, and testifies and brings evidence to our mind that we are saved. But here specifically what we're going to look at this morning, the role of the Holy Spirit. Look at back at verse 26 here, if you would please with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The scripture says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities. Let's take a look at this this morning. And 
let's look biblically at some different infirmities that the Bible identifies and see if we have some of these infirmities in our own lives. An infirmity, first of all, I'll give you the definition. An infirmity is an unsound or unhealthy state of the body or mind. It's a weakness or a feebleness. That's what, that's what an infirmity is. Um, look at John chapter 5 and verse 5. And the first infirmity that, that probably comes to most of our minds is the physical physical infirmities. And the Bible does identify infirmities as being physical. Physical weaknesses, physical ailments. And look at John chapter 5 and verse... Uh, we'll start in verse number 1. John 5, 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case. And he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And so here, scripturally, you see an instance in which an infirmity was a physical weakness, a physical ailment. And this guy, he was impotent. He could not walk. And um, so that, that, that's a, a biblical instance of an infirmity. Another type of instance of an infirmity, look with me at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, infirmities are not only physical weaknesses, they can be, they can be mental weaknesses. Uh, like pretty much every guy in my youth group right now has mental weaknesses. <laughs> Romans chapter 15, verse 1. He says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, what's amazing, the context, he has just, obviously, chapter 14 comes before chapter 15. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. What, what are these people weak in? Well, chapter 14, verse 1 says, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. And he goes on to talk about how people can be weak in their faith and weak in their conscience. Um, their conscience can be easily offended by something that scripturally really isn't wrong. Um, but, but nevertheless, an infirmity here is a weakness in their faith. And in chapter 15, he says, We then that are strong in the faith, we ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. So an infirmity can be a physical weakness. It can be a weakness that we have just in our faith. It brings to mind in the New Testament where the guy cries out to the Lord. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thy mind unbelief. You know, and I know that uh, uh, sometimes we're in that same, that same way in the weakness of our faith. But then also infirmity, it can be evident in temptation. Infirmity can be evident in temptation. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. Again, looking at biblical instances of infirmities. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, the scripture here says, For we have not an high priest 
which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And you know, the weakness of our flesh, the weakness of our Christianity, many times is evident when we are tempted. And the scripture says that Christ, it's not like he cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ never sinned. The Bible says that there was no sin in him. And um, so here we, have, we see that, that our infirmities, the weaknesses of our flesh and of our walk with the Lord can many times become evident by temptation. So infirmities can be physical, they can be uh, mental, they can be weaknesses in our faith, they can be evident in temptation. But our infirmities, ultimately, they should lead us to Christ. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And there, within these two chapters here, Paul's going to identify some infirmities in his own life and look at his response to it. Look at what it accomplished in his life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 23, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He asked the question, the scripture says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, and labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. How beaten down in your Christian life would you be if people were beating you, you were trying to give the gospel and you were getting shipwrecked? In our day, you're blowing tires and axles out your car and stuff just wasn't going right. And you, were, and you had all this... All this stuff, you had persecutions and sufferings without. And then within, you were constantly thinking about that class that you teach in Sunday school. Or the, the, those kids that you've got in Iwana and you know, what they've been doing this summer. And, and so beside all the stuff that's coming at you as you're walking with the Lord, you've got all those cares on the inside. And Paul says, I was weak. I, he said, but I will glory... In my infirmities. Anybody this week, you know, you've been real excited that you had car trouble? Man, that's a glory, you know. We're sitting there going, what the fuck, I need your shirt to you know. Paul says, I will glory in my infirmity. I will glory in that weakness. Look what he says in chapter 12, uh, uh, here in the same book. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of the revelations, right? We know that Paul was given a special revelation from God. You know, we have the New Testament here. And, and just so that he didn't get too high and mighty on himself by actually receiving the word of God, these revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, 
the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow, what a lesson that Paul had to learn. Is that the times he just, it's like life kept coming at him and it just wouldn't stop. And these physical things from without just kept hitting him. And all he was trying to do was get the gospel out. He's trying to plant churches and tell people about the Lord and disciple believers. All he's trying to do is serve God. And this stuff just keeps coming to him from without. And instead of getting bitter, instead of just saying, man, hang this, you know, not discipling somebody would be a lot easier. Instead of giving up the care of all the churches, it drives him to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ saying, God, I'm so weak right now. I can't do this. I can't take another thing from without. I, I, I can't, but yet I can't stop caring about people. God, I'm so infirmed. I'm overwhelmed with these infirmities. But Paul's able to learn the lesson to glory in those infirmities, to take pleasure in them because it's driving him closer and closer to Jesus Christ. Because the more he sees his own weakness, the more he realizes his need for Jesus Christ and his need to walk in a greater way with the Lord. He says, I glory in them. I find pleasure in those infirmities. Because when I am weak, he realizes God's strength in his life. Turn back with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. What about your life? Are there infirmities from without? Are there cares and infirmities from within? Look at verse 26 again. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That thorn in the flesh, God didn't take it away. Take it away now. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And you might have a physical ailment that God just decides, no, that this, this is the way this is going to be. You might have something um, just going on in your life that it, it just seems like as you pray and as you ask the Lord to, to take this away, He says to you, my grace is sufficient for thee. And you have found that it's, it's drawing you closer to the Lord. Well, the Spirit will help our infirmities. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities. You know, we looked at in Sunday school this morning, in the Old Testament... The Holy Spirit came upon people. And uh, the only person I could find that the Bible said this, the Holy Spirit was in was uh, Joseph. Um, he said the Spirit, it's like other people said about him that the Spirit of God is in him. But the, in the Old Testament, the Spirit departed from Saul. In the Old Testament, the Spirit, the Lord departed from Samson after he sinned. In Psalm 51, you find David crying out, saying, Create in me a clean heart. After his sin with Bathsheba, he says, Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You see, believe, people in the Old Testament were not sealed with the Holy Spirit like we are today. You find that in the New Testament where we are sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. There's no sin that you've committed that has made the Holy Spirit depart from you. So today... That sin, He can help with your infirmity. He can help in that temptation. He can help with that weakness. He helps our infirmities. 
Look at one of our infirmities that he identifies here for us in this verse. He says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. <laughs> oh, man. Um, how many of you have ever been to a planetarium? Uh, I just got to go this summer to the planetarium at the Creation Museum. And you start to, you know, in the planetarium, they'll describe for you just how big the universe is. Or at least we think it is. And, you know, I'm laying there and you're looking up and you're seeing, okay, you know, the earth is so far from the sun and, you know, the galaxy is this big. And then and they just keep zooming you out. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this is just it's unbelievable how big the universe is. And we get to pray to God. (laughs) Ever feel a little bit small when you're talking to God? The Bible says that we don't know how to pray as we ought. I mean, can you imagine at times what really how pathetic our prayers are? I mean, you ever been, and I've been around people, man, I've been around people that have known the Lord a long time and you hear them pray and you're like, man, this guy knows how to pray. But you know what? Even for that person, the spirit of God is taking that prayer and going, God, this is what he really means. We don't know how, one of our biggest infirmities in our walk with the Lord, is we, we don't know how to pray. But God wants us to pray. He wants us to come to Him as a little child in faith. And the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. In the Spirit here, we don't know how to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. With groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us. He's a go-between where He takes what is on our heart and what we're trying to pray and what we're trying to say and takes that to God. Um, guys, have you ever tried to communicate something to your wife and it just didn't really come out right? <laughs> the, uh, the joke's been told. You guys, Some of you have heard it. There was a guy that found this genie lamp and he rubbed the lamp and the genie came out and said, hey, I'll give you one wish. This is a cheap lamp. You know, he didn't get three. He only got one wish. And the guy thought about it for a minute. He goes, well, he goes, I've... I've I've always really wanted to drive. You know, he, they, he was in Los Angeles. He always wanted to drive to Hawaii because he didn't like flying. So he's like, could you build me a road so I could drive from here in my house to Hawaii? I've always wanted to get there. And the genie thought about it a minute. And he said, well, I could do that. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of pounds of, you know, asphalt and concrete out of place, rest stops, gas stations, you know, lights all along the way. Kind of building up all that it would take to do that. And he said, is there anything else you'd rather have? And the guy thought about it for a minute. He said, well, I've always liked to be able to really understand my wife and communicate better with her. And the genie said, well, that'd be one lane or two. <laughs> you know, when you think about communication, it's I'm fascinated by, uh, you know, um, like some of the, the, the Food Network stars, it's interesting where these people go through a process by which they're basically trying out to have their own show on the Food Network. And you see people that just, some people lock up on camera. Uh, some people lock up on camera one week, and the next week they're just natural as can be with it. It's just interesting to see people's different forms of communication. Um, some people are real bubbly and happy, and other people are more serious and don't try and be funny, Josh Ferrier. Um, uh, <laughs> He did tell me this week, he said he saw a, uh, a sleepwalking nun, and so he knew that she was Roman Catholic. 
Have you ever tried to communicate a joke and it just kind of... Um, but the Spirit of God... No, it never happened. Didn't go over very well. The Scripture here says that the Spirit of God maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Um, you know, many times, uh, again, you know, just the error in teaching with the Holy Spirit. People may take this to, to be some kind of speaking in tongues or some kind of heavenly language. The Bible says it's not uttered. It's a, it's a speech. It's a way that the Spirit of God communicates our heart to the mind of God in a way that is not verbalized. It, it, it cannot be uttered. And the Holy Spirit is able to do that perfectly. So this uttering, it, it's not, it, it, can't be, it cannot be uttered, but it can be understood. And uh, the Scripture here says, verse 27, "...and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit." The Holy Spirit perfectly communicates our heart and, and, and our mind to the mind of God. He says here, that the Spirit can perfectly communicate with God the Father. Um, here it says, He searcheth the hearts and the minds. Look at, hold your place here. We'll be right back. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's look at the one who, who searches the hearts. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know, it, our, because of our sinful nature, we are prone to self-preservation, aren't we? And it, it was interesting last week witnessing to people at the fair. And you show somebody the fact that we are all sinners. You know, uh, the Bible describes even, And all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And in our sinful nature, man, we, we, we don't want to believe that. We don't want to think about that because that's not a comfortable thought. That's, that's not self That doesn't line up with my self-preservation. But the Scripture says that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You know, we can, be, we can hide different things in our heart, but the Scripture says that the Lord searches the heart. And then Proverbs 17.3 says, The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for, for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. So the Lord, He's the one here in Romans 8, He searches the hearts and He knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Uh, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Some interesting things here about what the, the Spirit searches and the mind of the Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter two, and let's start in verse number nine. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? So, you know, nobody knows what you're thinking but you, right? Uh, nobody knows what, that you're thinking, oh my goodness, could we please get out of here and go to Silver Spoon or Tutti Frutti or someplace where they have ice cream and something very cool and comfortable. 
we can hide that sometimes. Now, how many of you, you're a terrible liar? It just, it's written all over your face, you know? It's, something goes wrong, you're having a bad day. But the Scripture says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? So, I can't know what you're thinking. And t- you know, I have heard this before uh, from my wife. I can't read your mind, <laughs> you know? I don't know what you're thinking. And I thought, well, why not? But, uh, Save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. But we ha- Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual with spiritual. And, and that's why we know we have to compare Scripture with other Scriptural, because these are spiritual things. Verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the Spirit searches the deep things of God, and and no man knows what that man is thinking, except the, the, the spirit, and that's a little s there, that's in him. We, we are spirit, soul, and body. And the scriptures identifies that God has declared to us his mind through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the things that God wanted us to know about his mind and his will are, were written in this book, by men that were moved by the Spirit of God, and God has made sure to perfectly preserve that for us today. And as much as God has revealed to us, we can know the mind of the Lord. Why is it that the Holy Spirit is so effective in communicating in prayer to the Father? Why is it? Well, He's told us here, not only does the Spirit help with our infirmities, but He makes intercession for us. God is the one that searches the hearts. And the Holy Spirit of God knows the will of God. And He knows my heart. And He's able to make my intercession according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit completely and perfectly understands the will of God. And He can pray accordingly. And man, how often, because of our infirmities, whether they be physical, whether it just be, man, we have, we're weak in the faith, whether it be those wrestlings from without or wrestlings from within... How often in our infirmities do we just really not know how to pray according to God's will? Well, know this. The Spirit helpeth our infirmities and makes intercession for us according to the will of God. There is always somebody praying on your behalf, and that's the Spirit of God that's interceding for us. Um, look at We're there in Romans 8. Romans 8. We're going to look at this more tonight. I encourage you to come back at 5.30. But the scripture here says um, in verse 31, Romans 8.31, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And the next couple of things that we're going to look at is the, the scripture says this in 1 John 5. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Now, to completely comprehend that and understand that, I can't. We're finite beings. We can't understand that God is three in one. We sing the song, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And the Bible, um, uh, 
And and that song describes how He is the great three in one. I just know scripturally that's what the Bible teaches. But notice in verse 31, He says, What shall we say then to these things? What are these things? They're the stuff that came before this part of the chapter. And one of the things in which, one of the ways in which God is for us is the Holy Spirit of God makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So what things are against your prayer life? that are greater than the Holy Spirit of God's intercession for you. Nothing. So this week, take hope, Christian. The Spirit of God be in you. And if He's not in you, you're none of His. But if He be in you, He makes intercession for us according to the will of God with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, let me ask you this morning. In your life, do you have infirmities? They might be physical. They might be a mental strain. They might be weaknesses in your faith. You might have recently this week, you thought, man, I thought I'd never be tempted to do that. And, and the temptation came and you realized your own weakness. Do you have infirmities? The Spirit can help you. And then do you see the help that you have in this intercession? That the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. He knows your heart. And He, he says, Father, this is what He meant. Father, this is what she meant. This is what, if he could have prayed this, this is what he would have said. God, please help them. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit, our comforter and our intercessor. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And thank you so much for...